are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. All right, take your Bible tonight, please. Turn with me to Revelation chapter number 4, please. Revelation chapter number 4. Thank you, Brother Flood, for that special. And it's been good to be in church tonight. And appreciate the good crowd this evening. It's amazing, the full parking lot on a Wednesday night. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. There's a lot of things we can do, but there's nothing more important or essential to our life than being in church anytime we have the opportunity. And thank you for being here tonight. I, uh, the pastor made mention of it. I was able to go and preach out in uh, Ohio the last two days. And the only reason I bring that up is just to say the outpouring of support for our church from other churches was amazing. Uh, we had, I think, six to eight pastors there last night and the same number the night before, and all of them say, our church is praying, our church is uh, following your situation. And it was very encouraging to me to see that all over the country there are people praying on our behalf. I'm glad there's 7,000, more than that, but 7,000 who've not bowed their knee to Baal, and they're faithful, they're staying at it, and thank God for that. And uh, I had a lot of people come up to me and say, we listened to uh, KNVBC. And I said, well, amen. Thank you for listening. They said, not you, Brother Moyer. And I said, all right, moving on. But uh, anyway, Revelation chapter number four. Revelation chapter number four. Um, I was in the vehicle for about two hours from the airport to the, uh, the church with the pastor there. And he's from West Virginia. And in fact, his family's from just a county over from where I grew up. And we were talking the entire time about my earthly hometown and I can tell you every turn and every road who lives in every house nobody moves in and nobody moves out and I just know that place and we began talking and it seemed like the conversation went to other topics such as struggles and burdens and this person's in the hospital and this person's going through that and the other and I began to think I'm glad I've got another hometown I'm glad this world is not my home I'm glad I'm just a passing through I'm glad tonight I'm not a fugitive running from something. I'm a pilgrim pressing towards something. And tonight I want to draw our attention, not earthward, but heavenward just for a minute. And let's talk about our other hometown for just a little while. Revelation chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. Let me read you a few verses of Scripture. The Bible said, After this I looked, behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one set on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. When those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him 
that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. In the book of Genesis, Adam witnesses as paradise is lost on earth. But now in Revelation, John gets to witness as paradise is realized in eternity. When you read through Revelation chapter 4, you find several things. A door is mentioned. I'm glad we know who that door is. Thank God for the door. There's only one way to get to that place. Not many ways, not many avenues, not many paths. But Jesus said, I am the door. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh unto the Father but by Him. In this chapter, there's not just a door, but thank God there's a voice. The same voice that spoke creation into existence. The same voice that cried, it is finished from the cross of Calvary. The same voice that will shout and will be called out to go to, uh, to heaven to be with God for eternity. In this chapter, there's a throne. By the way, just one throne. That throne wasn't made for you and that throne's not made for me, but I'm glad the one who deserves to sit on it, he's ever on that throne. God is upon the throne tonight. Lastly, we see there's a worship going on in heaven. They're worshiping the one who deserves all the glory. I noticed in chapter 4, verse number, verse number 1, there's a phrase where the Bible says, After this I looked, and I want you to notice what it says, Behold, a door was opened in heaven. There's a lot of places I'd like to see. There's a lot of things I'd like to just get a glimpse at. But if tonight there was one door that I could peek through, one sight that I could take in, I don't know about you, but in times like these, it sure would be a good time to get a look not down here, but a look at what's going on up there. For just a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on that thought, just a glance through heaven's open door. Lord, I pray that you speak to our hearts tonight about heaven. God, I pray that we'd set our affections on things above. When we look low, it's very discouraging. When we look low, it's very hard. We look low and the circumstances change. But I'm glad that when we look high, everything's all right in our Father's house. And thank God for that truth. Encourage us tonight about our heavenly home, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think about the song. We sang this in our Tabernacle Bible class. It's in the Red Book. We'll probably sing it in the choir before long. But it says, My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on. Until that blessed home I see, I feel like traveling on. I read a quote where an old preacher said, if we could look just a moment through the crack of heaven's door and see the beauty and bliss of paradise, our soul would be exhilarated and transported with joy. You know the old song that says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. D.L. Moody, the great preacher, was dying. And the final words that left the lips of that great man of God was this. As he stared at the ceiling above, he said, I see heaven opening. God is calling. I must go. I think about Moses. It's said of Moses, he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, how did Moses persevere through the persecution? How did Moses press on through the peril? How did Moses make it through those years of wilderness wandering? i tell you how. He didn't look low. He looked high. He didn't have his heart resting earthward. His heart was set heavenward, and he saw him who is invisible. Tonight, it seems like more and more as those who he loved down here make the journey over there. 
And it seems as the trials and the troubles and the sorrows of this life compound and compound upon us. Can I say it seems day by day I have more of a longing and more of a desire and more of a want to to go not down here but to go over there. I'm glad I've got another place. I'm glad I've got a citizenship in another country. I'm glad there's a better land ahead. I'm glad this isn't the best to have to look forward to. I'm glad tonight heaven is my home. The book of Colossians commands me to set my affections on things above. That means to take my love, to take my desire, to take my dreams, to take my affections and rest them not on things that time can tarnish and moths can corrupt and dust can cover, but to take my love and my desire and my affection and my dreams and to rest them on things above, to set them on things that are heavenward. You ask the question tonight, how can Job worship God in the ashes of trial? It's because he set his affections on things above. How can the Hebrew children and make it through a fiery furnace, they set their affections on things above. How could Paul go through prison and yet finish his course with joy? He understood this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And he set his affections on things above. When I stopped to consider heaven, and think about all the wondrous sights of that city. It makes my mind run in a million different directions. I'll hear a sermon about heaven and it makes me want to go. I'll hear a song about heaven and it makes me want to go. I'll see someone here suffering and full of sorrow and it makes me want to get a glimpse through that open door of glory. Think about it tonight. It's a reality. Heaven, what a word. Heaven, what a concept. Heaven, what a reality. Heaven, what a place. Thank God for heaven. I remember an illustration about a little boy. He was walking with his father in the night. And I might have told you before, but as they walked in the night, the boy was staring at the sky. His father asked him what he was doing. He said, Daddy, I'm looking at the stars. His father said, the stars are beautiful, aren't they? And he said, they are, but I can't help to think if the bottom side of heaven can look like this, how beautiful is the top side going to be? I think about the song, we'll meet the one who saved us and who kept us by his grace and who brought us to that land so bright and fair. We'll praise his name forever as we look upon his face. Everybody will be happy over there. There's a land that is fairer than day and by faith we can see it afar and the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the sky. They tell me of a land far away where the tree of life and eternal bloom sheds her fragrance or the uncloudy day. We read of a place that's called heaven. It's made for the pure and the free. These truths in God's word he has given. How beautiful heaven must be. Jesus said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You say, but I'm going through this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You say, but I'm facing that. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. I remember I was, I was preaching in North Carolina, and I might have told this one time here, I can't remember. I was at one of those yogurt places where you pay for your yogurt by the pound. You know what I'm talking about? You go there and you think you're going to get a $5 cup of yogurt, and it's more expensive than a $50 steak. And I went to that yogurt place with the pastor and his two children. This is long before I had children, and I didn't know how that could come back to bite you. But anyway, at that time, we went together. He got a cup of yogurt, and so did I, and his children did. And we sat there and we fellowshiped and ate our yogurt. And it's an awesome place. You can pile your yogurt up with, you know, uh, chocolate chips and chocolate syrup and chocolate whatever else you like and put it all on the top. We were eating our yogurt 
And his little blonde-headed girl, about six years old, had scarfed hers down. It was gone. And she looked kind of despondent at me as I was just sort of slowly eating my yogurt. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, but Okupo, I'm out of yoga. And I said, well, that's okay. Just go over there and get you some more. She said, I can't do that. I said, yes, you can. Just sneak over there, lift up the lever, fill up your cup, and come back. She could get a pass. She was so cute. They wouldn't arrest her. And she said, I can't do that. I said, sure you can. She said, no, I can't. She said, I'll get in trouble. She said, but in heaven, I can do that. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but I know this. There's a lot of different ideas of what heaven's going to be like. I was visiting my grandfather just a few days before he died. My grandfather had dementia. He forgot about everything. He'd been a preacher the latter part of his life, and he could remember Bible verses and hymns. And he would always be singing when I'd visit him. He'd call me preacher. He didn't remember my name. He'd be singing songs like this. I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I think the last day I visited him, he was singing the song, I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven grows near and the way grows clear. I'm in the glory land way. And I thought about that. You know, we're closer to heaven today than we were yesterday. We're closer to heaven tonight than we were this morning. Just any moment now, Jesus could come. And whether we go by way of the grave or Gabriel's trumpet blows, heaven is just that far away for the child of God. Tonight, I want to talk a little bit about heaven. I want to try to get your mind off of things below and set your affections on things above. Now, I understand to try to adequately describe heaven is about as possible as it is to contain the ocean in a thimble. It'd be as easy to wrap the galaxies in a napkin. I mean, I could sooner shade the sun with my hand as to use my temporal terminology and my carnal phrase and my shortened mind to describe to you what's going to wait for us on the other side. The Bible said in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, I believe that's good for us down here, that we can do some things for God that we can't even fathom nor imagine. But it's not just for what we can do for God down here. It's also good for what God's already done for us up there. You say you've seen beauty. You say you've seen beauty. You've not seen beauty like heaven. You say you've heard beauty. You've not heard beauty like you'll hear in heaven. You say you've dreamed a wild dream, a beautiful thing. You can't imagine the beauty that waits for you and I in heaven. Your eye hadn't seen it. Your ear hasn't heard it. Your heart can't contain what God has prepared for us up in heaven. I can't describe heaven any more adequately than a blind man can describe a sunset or one who cannot smell can describe a rose or one who cannot here can describe a symphony or one who cannot feel can describe touch but tonight I'm glad I have a Bible that tells us what waits for us on the other side the hymn says it right it's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half has never yet been told the Bible tells us up in heaven that there is no pain we know all about pain down here we have aches and pains in our body we have pain mentally there's pain from anxiety and stress but the Bible says heaven's a place where there is no pain. The Bible tells me that heaven's a place where there is no night. Even now I'm watching as the sun is setting behind the hills. But I know a place where the light's never dimmed and shadows never come on the other side. The Bible tells us in heaven there is no crying. I'd say even today, you and I have both shed some tears for different things. But on that side, there's no tissues ever needed and no tears will dim the eye. Oh, my Bible tells me on that side there is no dying 
over here. We go to the funeral home. We visit the graveyard. We mark a tombstone. But can I say that won't happen on the other side. It's hard. It is hard for my human comprehension to wrap itself around heaven. But there is a heaven nonetheless. More than a fairy tale. More than a dream. More than a fictitious place. More than unconsciousness. Heaven is the reality for the child of God. The illustration. The illustration sums it well about the little boy flying the kite. And the kite was so high up into the sky, the kite was hidden by the clouds. He could see the string suspended, but he could not see the kite. A man walked up to him and said, son, what are you doing? He said, I'm flying a kite. He said, how do you know you can't see it? He said, I can't see it, but I can still feel the tug. And can I say, though, I've never seen that place. I'm glad there's a spirit on the inside that bears witness with the truth of the Bible that this world is not the best I have to look forward to. There's a better land coming. There's a better country coming. There's a better place coming. And heaven is just in sight. Here in Revelation chapter 4, John has been persecuted. Boiled alive, left for dead, and exiled to Patmos. He's suffering in isolation. The flesh has been burned off his body. He's been beaten for preaching the Bible. But thank God John still felt the tug. There on the Isle of Patmos, he's in the spirit. And John is given seven letters to write to seven local churches. As we come to our chapter, you'll find if you study church history that now the church is raptured out and taken away. And John is given opportunity to see what waits for you and I on the other side of the door of heaven. Can I say this door is unlike any other door. This isn't a door hung by man, but this is a door given to us by God. On that side of the door are some great things. On that side of the door are some eternal things. On that side of the door are some blessed things. You might ask John if he could come here tonight. I would want to know, John, what would you see on that side of the door? The Bible says he got to look through it. I don't know about you, but I'd like to see through it. Wouldn't you like to see through it? That sure would that sure would beat what you see on the blogs. That sure would beat what you watch on the news. That sure would beat what you read in the paper. I'd like to see through that open door of glory. John, what'd you see on that side of the door? I think he'd probably paint the picture by first telling us what he'd lived through on this side of the door. No doubt John would say, first let me tell you what's on this side. On this side, I've seen joy give way to sorrow. On this side, I've seen hopes let down. On this side, I've seen ease yield to struggle. On this side, youth gives way to old age. On this side, I've seen those who are popular be hated. Those who are loved be hated in return. On this side, I've seen flowers bloom, but they fade away. Homes are built, but they fall apart. The leaves spring forth, but they fall from the branch. Sun rises, but the sun sets. The grass grows, but on this side, it withers away. He'd paint a dark picture on this side. On this side, I've watched tears run down faces. I've seen cries interrupt rest. I've seen grimaces of pain and the heartbreak of disappointment on this side. I've seen families torn apart and loved ones grieve and graves dug and crepe hung upon caskets just this week in Ohio. I saw some of our dear friends I haven't seen in a few years. I used to preach meetings with them all the time and now the one lady suffering from brain cancer and day by day she just makes it day by day and it broke my heart to see that. I saw another man. He wasn't there Monday 
Sunday night and I asked the pastor, where's brother so-and-so? And the pastor said he's feeble. He can't hardly get out and come to church. But the pastor told him I asked about him. So on Tuesday night, he came to church. He was all stooped over. He used to be a big, strong man, stooped over. And he gave me some money so Lincoln could buy a toy. And I saw him suffering in and out of the church and it broke my heart. But can I say, that's what we have on this side. John, what's on this side? On this side, I've seen farewells given. I've seen dirges sung on this side. The skies are filled with clouds and every summer gives way to winter. On this side, sirens blare and heads hang low. On this side, bodies ache with cancer and minds fail with dementia. Over here on this side, the nursing homes are packed. The hospitals are full. The roses drop their petals. The trees fall in the field. On this side, beauty yields to ugly. On this side, serenity yields to tragedy. On this side, I've seen every bad effect of sin. I don't know about you, but I'm about sick and tired of the effects of sin on this world. It's so heartbreaking and heart-wrenching to read the headlines in our paper and to see the sin in our society. All the aches and pains and all the cancers and all the disease and all the divorce and all the broken homes and busted lives. That's what we have on this side. I'd say, John, we know about it. There's a crowd here tonight. We live on this side. We experience this side. In these days, we know full well how bad it can be on this side. We don't much care about this side. We want to hear about what's on that side of the door. I'd like to interview John and say, John, tell me what waits for us on the other side of the door. I believe John's face would light up with the brilliance of a billion suns. He'd smile from ear to ear as he began to testify to tell us what he got to see on the other side. He'd say, well, let me tell you what's waiting for you and I on that side. On that side, there's beauty untainted. On that side, harmony unmolested. On that side, peace unharassed. On that side, love that knows no hate. On that side, there's perfection at its pinnacle. On that side, you trade out old age for a brand new body. On that side, weakness yields to strength. Feebleness yields to vitality and pain yields to comfort. On that side, suffering is given way to satisfaction. Remorse is given rest. Doubt yields to assurance. The grave yields to resurrection. And we trade out a coffin for a mansion. Oh, look what I traded for a mansion. Oh, look what I'm leaving behind. Oh, look who'll be there to greet me when I step in God's sweet paradise. I'm leaving behind all my sorrow. I'm leaving behind all my cares for I've traded it all for a mansion that Jesus has gone to prepare. John, tell me, what's on that side? On this side, there's plenty of bad. What's on that side? That's not all. On that side, there are no tears to dampen the eye. On that side, no caskets are ever built. On that side, no funerals are ever held. On that side, every undertaker's out of employment. On that side, they shout continuously. On that side, new names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. On that side, there is no shadow. The Lamb of, the, of God is the light thereof, and God's glory radiates the shadows away. On that side, we don't look at the stars because we shine as bright as the stars in the firmament on that side. John, what's on that side? On that side, I'll tell you, every mile you travel takes you by acres of rubies, miles of diamonds, yards of sapphire, feet of emeralds, stretches of topaz, lengths of jade, and rows of amethyst. On that side, you don't have to worry about traveling through the darkness because there isn't any darkness over there. On that side, there's an emerald rainbow surrounding the throne. There's a sea of glass that looks like crystal. There's jasper walls and gates of pearl. On that side, 
side. On that side, there's no more hunger. On that side, there's no more, there's no more inequality. On that side, there's no poor, no rich, no popular or privileged. On that side, everybody's equal at the foot of Jesus. On the other side, on that side, on that side, there's no pill bottles. On that side, there's no wheelchairs. On that side, there's no glasses. On that side, there's no needles. On that side, there's no storms. On that side, there's no tempest. On that side, there's no uneasiness, no disease, no danger. And thank God, no death on that side. I has not seen it. You can try to describe the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It wouldn't touch the hem of the garment of what waits for us in heaven. Ear hath not heard it. As beautiful as those young ladies were that Sang that song, that harmony, it can't even compare to the song we're going to sing on the other side. Yeah, your heart can't even imagine it. You have the wildest dream you want about the most beautiful thing you can imagine. It can't compare to what waits for us on the other side. John, tell me what it's like over there. I think he'd say, best of all, better than the gold, better than the jewels, better than everything else, is Jesus is there. We get to see him face to face. I get to look upon those nail-scarred hands. I I get to see that pierced side. Thank God Jesus is there. What's on that other side? i tell you what's on that other side. On the other side there's an altar. On the other side there's an advocate. On the other side there's atonement. On the other side there's a mercy seat sprinkled with blood that testifies that I've been saved. I've been forgiven. I've been redeemed. On that side. On that side. Families are restored. On that side. Minds are sharp. On that side. Hearts beat strong. On that side. can Answers unknown on that side. Hospitals are unneeded on that side. Crepe is traded for a crown on that side. A shroud is given way to a robe of righteousness on that side. Faith gives way to sight on that side. Thank God the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are leaping, the dumb are speaking, the crippled are made whole, and the outcast are welcome home on that side. On that side, on that side, you get a new body, you get a new name, you get a new home. Thank God. It gets a name written in the book of life all on that side. I think about Virgil Brock. Virgil Brock, the hymn writer, he's in heaven now. He was walking on the shores of Winona Lake with a friend who was blind. And his blind friend was describing to him the beauty of the sunset. And Virgil Brock said, how can you talk about the sunset? You're blind. You can't even see. And the man made the statement. He said, I do see. I see through the eyes of others. And sometimes I think I can see more than they. I can see beyond the sunset. And it made Virgil Brock's heart move and he wrote a hymn and it said, Beyond the sunset, oh blissful morning, when with our Savior heaven's begun, beyond the sunset earth's toiling ended, oh glorious dawning, beyond the sunset when day is done. John said in Revelation 4 verse 1, After this I looked and behold a door was open in heaven. The Bible tells us about heaven's direction. Enoch was taken up. Elijah was taken up. Stephen looked up. The Bible tells us, look up, your redemption draweth nigh. When rapture comes, Jesus comes down and we go up. You say, where is heaven tonight? Can I say heaven is just as real as Santa Clara, California? Heaven's just as real as San Jose. Heaven's just as real as Fremont or Mountain View or Palo Alto or Sunnyvale. Heaven's a reality. It's a place. You say, where is it? Somewhere out yonder. That's country enough, isn't it? Somewhere out yonder, beyond the stars and beyond the galaxies and beyond the furthest planet known to man, somewhere out there tonight is a place as real as that car you're sitting in. And thank God there's a home prepared with your name 
name on it if you're saved by grace tonight. We know heaven's direction. We know about heaven's dimensions. The Bible said it's a city built four square, 1,500 miles every direction, 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles high. And the street is constructed of such pure gold you can see through it like glass. We hear about heaven's decor, those golden streets, that crystal sea, those jasper walls and those pearl gates. We hear about heaven's demographics. I'm glad they come from every kindred, every nation, and every tongue. That means tonight, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your job status. It doesn't matter your educational level. You're a candidate to make heaven your home for eternity. Everybody who gets saved, you're all welcome in that place. I think about heaven's director. You say, who's in charge up there? We have directors down here. We have directors for several things. But anyway, the director up there, who's that? I tell you who's in charge up there. I tell you who it is. God's in charge up there. The lamb is in charge up there. And now we read about heaven's door. Heaven's door. John gets to look through that door someday in vision. I see the beautiful gate and all that pass through where loved ones await. Someday I'll go there and it will swing wide and I'll be so glad when I'm on the inside. You say, what are they doing in heaven right now? I'll tell you what they're doing. Number one, they're realizing that it was better than you could have ever imagined. I think about what the Bible said in 1 Kings 10, verse 7. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it and behold the half was not told me. I can't describe it to you. Streets of gold, no settling cracks, no potholes in it, pure gold. So pure, without imperfection, it's transparent. Look through it. Our parking lot here, this blacktop, imagine, gold more precious than the jewelry that you wear. I can't describe it to you. Gates of pearl. Mays Jackson used to say, if the pearls are that big in heaven, imagine how good the oysters are going to be. Can you imagine? Walls of jasper. We built our walls out of rock and dirt and wood. Up there, they use jasper. Things that we would adorn ourselves with, they use for the foundation of that city. I can't describe it to you what it's going to be like to meet all those in heaven who've gone before us, they're realizing it's better than you can imagine. Secondly, thank God they're resting from this warfare. Luke 16, 25, But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted. Revelation 14, 13 says, They rest from their labors. One of these days, toiling will be done. That's why we sing the song, we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work till he comes. But thank God when he comes, we'll get to lay our armor down. We'll get to rest our sword. We'll get to lay down, sit by the riverside, they used to say, and just enjoy the presence of God. That ought to motivate us tonight not to quit, not to get weary in well-doing, not to faint. Keep pursuing, keep pressing on, keep giving to y'all. Why? There'll be time to rest in just a little while, can I say time is just a flea hopping on the tail of eternity. It's just a blink of an eye and it's over. And it'll be worth every struggle. It'll be worth every sword you have to swing. It'll be worth every fight you have to fight for the rest that waits on the other side. Number three, they're reuniting over there. Reuniting. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, but then shall I know even as I also am known. Moses is still Moses in heaven. Elijah is still Elijah in heaven. My grandma died of cancer, brain cancer. She had to be taken to a hospice house. 
my wife basically moved in with my grandparents to take care of them as I would travel. And I was home one week and I took, we called him Papa. I took Papa to visit Mamaw at the hospice house. They'd been married almost 60 years. And I remember him getting ready. You should have seen him getting ready. I don't advocate school dances, but I know enough about it to say it was like he had prom night. I mean, he stood in that bathroom. He got his tie tied. He got his uh, tie pin on that had his C for his last name, Chambers, right there on it. He had on his nice Sunday pants and shoes, and his hair was all slicked up. And I looked at him and said, Papa, he reminded me, if you watch Andy Griffith, he would have been on the show. I, he, he reminded me of that. And I said, Papa, you're getting all fancied up. Why is that? He said, I'm going to go see my sweetheart today. He hadn't seen her in several weeks. And I remember that one-hour drive to Charleston, West Virginia, to that hospice house. He is so excited about seeing his sweetheart. And we walked in that place, and we went in her room, and I tell you, it was like he was there on his first date getting to reunite with her. She died not many weeks after that. He died about a year later, and I preached both their funerals. I got to see them reunite on earth, but that can't compare to the reunion they had on the other side. And can I say tonight, you have a loved one on the other side? You've got a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a grandparent, a friend, a neighbor, somebody you care about over there. Can I say it's not goodbye, it's see you soon. And thank God there's incessant reunions on the other side. Not only that, they're rejoicing over there. Revelation 4.10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him and sit on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Next, they're receiving over there. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Thank God we'll get a mansion. We'll get a robe. We'll have his name written upon us. We'll have the marriage supper of the Lamb. We'll get crowns not to keep, but to cast at Jesus' feet. It's going to be wonderful in heaven. I think about this. In heaven, they're regarding us right now. Hebrews 12, 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I'm convinced tonight that those in heaven are looking over and cheering us on and begging that we'll finish well. They want to see us succeed. If they could testify to us, they'd say it'll be worth it after all. Don't you quit and don't you stop short. It'll be worth it when you get up here. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. Don't you quit. And, and, and Noah, don't you give in. And Daniel saying, you stay faithful. And all those saints of God on the other side, they're watching and rooting for us to finish well. Lastly tonight, I don't know, but I think maybe they're reviewing the book. Revelation 21, 27, reviewing. They which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Don't you think maybe every once in a while they take a swing by that book? And maybe, maybe God will be so good to let a grandma look through that book and see her grandson's name written in it. He got saved after she'd already gone, but he got saved. And maybe she shouts a little bit and runs another lap around the city because her grandson's on the way. Maybe you've got loved ones there right now, and every once in a while they'll go and see that book and see their own name, but then they catch yours. And it encourages them just a little bit. Tonight, let me say, if you're here in this crowd, and no doubt most folks here tonight are saved and know it, you drove to church. But if your name's not written down in the book, can I say you have family on the other side, loved ones on the other side? When they scan that book and don't see your name, can I tell you what their prayer is? That you might get saved tonight. You're here this evening and don't know for sure your name's in the book. You say, I'm on a church membership roll. That doesn't matter. Is your name in the book? You say, but I'm a Baptist. That's not what I asked you. Is your name in the book? You say, but I'm a good person. That's not what matters is your name in this book. I'm glad there was a day when my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. And thank God it's there with indelible ink that can never be taken out, smudged, or erased. It's there forever. 
But if your name's not there by faith tonight, receive Jesus as your Savior. And please have your name written down in that book. I was riding with that preacher two hours to the room to this morning early, two hours to the airport. It seemed like our conversation went to burdens and sorrows and struggles. Of course, he asked me pretty quickly before we even got to the airport parking lot, 6 a.m. Eastern time on Monday morning about our church. And we talked a little bit about that. And to be honest with you, I was looking forward to getting to Ohio so we didn't have to talk about that. But that's what we talked about. And then we began to talk about trials and troubles in his own situation, his church, his family, loved ones of his. And I've noticed that lately, it just seems like if we're not careful, our conversations get pulled earthward while the Bible commands us to let our affections be set heavenward. And tonight, I don't know what you got going on down here, but you ought to praise God for what he's got going on up there. And I'm glad there's a door. And whether we go by the grave or whether we go by rapture, heaven's waiting on the other side. Tonight, this is the most hell a Christian will ever experience. It's going to get much better from here on out. So here's my message to you. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.